Well, thank you, Richard, I think. Um, you know, I don't see any problem with this car being in here. This is a Triumph TR6. In fact, this year is the 60th anniversary of the Triumph TR range. We've got two or three out there and a number more in the car park. And anyway, in the scriptures, it says, the Lord will ride forth in triumph. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. You've got to love it, haven't you? <laughs> okay, let's get on with this. Richard, who was up here just, did an outstanding job of, of preaching last week. I really loved it, and uh, so many great little ideas and concepts. They, they really kind of got me thinking. In fact, to be perfectly honest, don't tell him I said this, but I started writing this sermon last week during his sermon when he started talking about, do you remember he talked about uh, a, a, a warning light coming up on the dashboard. Do you remember that? I thought that was just such a powerful image. You know, and, and we kind of, uh, he talked about sometimes how we ignore those warning lights. I'll tell you a story about that in just a moment, but, but I just wanted to say something straight off. It's a delight to have all the car club owners out there, and, and especially my buddies from the TR Register. Thank you very much, I really do appreciate it. And this is Don, give Don a clap here. Don, Don won the People's Choice um, Award last year, didn't you, Don, with your beautiful Trump Dolomite? It was an absolutely fabulous one, those of you here last year. So nice to see you back here this year. That's great. Okay, what am I doing up here? Let's have a quick look. Right, I want to tell you something very simple. On this Father's Day, I want to say to you, Jesus came that we might have life and have it in all its fullness. Jesus is interested in not just what we do here on Sunday and, you know, there's, there's churches meeting all over the country, all sorts of shapes and sizes, all sorts of uh, kind of uh, backgrounds, high church, low church. We love them all. If you're wondering what this is, this is we're a Bible-believing church. We're pretty ordinary in that. We just try and con communicate things in a wrong way. Uh, excuse me, in a right way. In a different way, that's what I mean. Thank you. It's way past my bedtime, I tell you. It really is. <laughs> dear, oh dear. I have to tell you, I'm quite interested how this sermon's going to work out because I preached one last service. I'm told it was pretty good, but it was completely wrong. It wasn't what I'd written, you know. So there we go. Well, sort of, so who knows what this will be? Something I want to tell you about cars. After all, we've got all these cars here. You know, when you, when you buy one of these things, particularly if it's an old car, you have to believe something. Otherwise, you'd never get out of bed and fiddle with them. You have to understand that every petrol engine wants to run. Now that's, that if you own a classic car is something you need to hold on to because half the time it's in bits over the garage floor. But you have to believe that actually every petrol engine wants to run. And in fact, it's not that much different in my view, coming from my perspective, to the way we are. My fundamental belief is that that actually everybody, and I'm going to use a word that's going to surprise some of you, everybody is, wants to worship. Everybody is made to worship. These cars were made to run, not being bits on my garage floor. Now, you may not agree with that, and I respect that, but the truth of the matter is that if we don't worship God, we end up worshiping other things. It can be a car like this. These things can become the absolute be-all and all of your life. It can be money, it can be riches, it can be women, it can be wine, it can be goodness knows what, but we end up giving a disproportionate amount of our love and attention to something other than God if we don't hook into God. And if I have a simple message 
today. It's, it's really about how we might actually respond to what God is offering us and how we would connect with that. Let me just, I just want you to understand that this car actually is a runner. It's not a showpiece. So I'm just going to fire it up and, and uh, you just sit to the left a bit. No, no, the wrong way. If you sit that way, I'll, I'll get you covered in smoke. So that's, that's like, okay. Right, you've got to listen to this. This is a two and a half litre fuel injected v, uh, straight six engine. Nothing's working this morning. Car doesn't work. My microphone doesn't work. Now this works. Great. Good. When, when a car breaks down, there are three things that every mechanic knows about a car, which is common to whatever age it is, providing it's a petrol engine, I have to say. Whatever expense it is, I mean, we've got a lovely Aston Martin up there. We've got beautiful Model T Ford. We've got cars from yesteryear and literally yesteryear. The oldest is 1915 out there. But if you've spent, you know, 250,000 pounds, God bless you, on some extravagant sort of exotic car, there is something that you need to understand about every single petrol engine which wants to run, remember, and that they all need three fundamental things. The first thing I'm going to draw your attention to is that there is a need for air, a need for air. Now, I don't want to be flash here, but I actually bought a BMW 5 Series a few years ago. Beautiful car, a lovely car, uh, and it was a top of the range. It was second-hand, but I got a very good deal, and I bought this thing. But you know what? After a little while, I began to think, it's not running the way it should. And I faffed around and fiddled around and looked on websites and went and asked my mechanic's advice. And, and in the end, you know what it was? The air filter... And this is the air filter off another car, not this car. Little paper thing, cost a few quid, not 250,000 pounds, was absolutely clogged on this BMW. In fact, the whole sort of air ducting was rammed with autumn leaves. Goodness knows how they got up there. But it was rammed solid. It was a wonder that the thing ran at all. When I pulled all the leaves out, changed the paper filter, 13 quid off eBay, Suddenly, I turn the key and the thing bursts into life again. Cars have three essential things that need to happen. One of them is the need for air. Now, I hardly have to tell you that actually that's common with every living thing. Even if you're a fish in the sea, you take oxygen in through the gills. You know, trees taking carbon monoxide, they give out air, but they need that whole air as part of the process, oxygen. And in fact, curiously enough, in the scriptures, there is a passage right in the beginning of the book in Genesis where it talks about the breath of life. I love that expression. James, can we whack that, that little Genesis thing up? Thank you. Just read this out. From the very beginning of the Bible, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. You know, we have that 
that need for oxygen, that need for air, and so does this dear old Triumph TR6, 1968. God bless it. It's been driving longer than I've had a license. The second thing is that when you look under the bonnet, you've got to check it out and got to say, now, is there anything out of place? You know, is there anything obvious? Before you start pulling the thing apart, am I just being stupid here? I left a, a lead off, is something... And, and if you look, sometimes you find some very odd things. <laughs> now, you know, all through Spain and France, Fliss and I were driving up this last, last week. Fliss was saying to me, I keep hearing this clucking. I thought she meant clonking. Fliss, you were right. It was clunking. It was clucking. Okay, the next thing you need when a car breaks down to check is fuel. How many of you, this is a safe place, you can fess up here. How many of you have ever bro- uh, run out of fuel as you've been riding around? One hand. Oh my. Put them up. Come on. Put those. Look at that. This is such a common thing that the AARAC carry a can of fuel in the back. They get calls from people saying, oh, I was just going down the M1 and suddenly, you know, cars started playing out. Oh dear, I'm on the hard shoulder. I don't know what's wrong with it. It's really terrible. But, you know, all too embarrassingly often, they've run out of fuel. So, you know, you need to carry one of these. With these old cars, not so much this one, you often carry a rubber mallet. Let me tell you why you carry that. On a lot of the old cars, they had a kind of a little contact point thing. And if the fuel pump packed up, and you knew that the pump uh, had packed up because it goes click, 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 click. Isn't that right, Don? And you could get yourself home by picking up, we used to call this the collaborator, I don't know why, but collaborator. And, and if you packed up, and you, uh, if it packed up and you could hear that there was no clicking, you'd literally go around the back and give this thing a whacking great big wallop, and it'd go just like that, and that would get you home. The second thing a car needs is fuel. We need fuel. Living things need fuel. We need bread, we need water, we need wine, we need beer. No, 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 not that, no. We need fuel. That's the second thing. Has the car run out of fuel? You know, is that an issue? And, and that's something to check. Interestingly enough, in this day and age, it has to be said that, that many of us are just working all the hours that God sent to put bread on the table. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here. But as a pastor of some nearly 30 years now, I know, I was talking to somebody out in the car park today actually, just how difficult it is now just to feed the family. You know, we, we work from dawn till dusk. And, and yet, it was Jesus himself who said, man will not live by bread alone. You know, we can bust a gut to feed our family, and rightly so. But there is more to life than that. So there's a need for air, there's a need for fuel. You know, in a car like this, in any car, these things are common. And then the third thing, with a car, there's a need for, the, for a mighty great big spark. Now in this car, it could be a number of things that go wrong. You, you might check what they call your distributor cap. That's often uh, cracked, so, and these leads are often dodgy, so that one you have a look at. This little gizmo, boy, does this pack a punch. In a lot of older cars, they have this thing called a coil. That little innocent looking thing there, in an ordinary car, will punch out 20,000 volts in pulses. And if you get on the wrong end of that, that can do you some serious damage. 
You can actually stop a pacemaker. So if you've got a pacemaker, you know, beware. In a competition, one of these, probably that, I don't know, that MGB rally one might have a, an uprated coil. It'll punch out up to 80,000 volts. These are staggering figures. And you have to get those sorted out and right. And then at the end of the ignition line, probably many of you know this, you get this little thing, it's cost two or three quid. It's a spark plug. So you can have a Rolls Royce, you know, latest model, straight out of the showroom. Even that will have one of these funny little things, few quid, that's all. And these have got to be looked after and checked and all the rest of it. So you're checking the ignition. Well, the reality is that after you've checked the air, you've checked the fuel, you've checked the spark, it should work. Let's have a look. Nothing's going right today. <laughs> no. No? Well, at that point, they usually load you up onto a flatbed lorry. And actually, these days, I must say that all too often, if we break down and if you have an old car, often, you know, you are having to tinker by the roadside. But the truth of the matter is that very often, you find that when you call out the AA or something like that, what happens is they don't even want to try and fix it. They just want to get you on a flatback and take you home. Now, what I want to wind up by saying in all of this is that I started by saying that God has a vision for your life. Wherever you're starting from, some of you may have started from a place of advantage. You know, great family, lots of resources, great education. Many of us didn't have that. It doesn't matter. You're not scuppered. You're not cast off. It's not the end of the story. Because Father has a plan for you, and that plan is that you have life and have it in all its fullness. There's a, a little verse of scripture that I came across as I was prepping and thinking about today's talk, which kind of encapsulates a bit of what I've been saying, but also somehow winds up what I want to say to you. It's called John 3.16, and let's whack that up. Thanks very much, James. This verse says this. For God so loved the world, he gave it breath, gave it life. That he gave his one and only son. And that refers to Jesus dying on the cross. You know, many of you will know that, many of you won't know that, no matter. You've just never been told before. But this dying on the cross thing clear, was Jesus clearing all the crud out of our lives. I love one of the illustrations that Richard gave last week. He was saying that, some of us feel that it's a bit like when you get an electrical appliance or something and there's a label on it and it says, you know, warranty void if broken. Do you remember that? He said that last week. I really like that illustration. A lot of us feel like we've, we've broken some sort of a seal in our life and it's, that's it. We've just got to make, do and mend for the rest of our lives. There's no going back. We can't, we, we, we'd like to say sorry and make amends, but we can't. We're powerless to do it. But what Jesus was doing on the cross was that he was fixing that. And what God's view is that as much as he loves us and wants to breathe life into us, there are issues. We all know, you know, in our own life, we've all got issues. And Jesus on the cross, he, he was saying, I'll take that on me. I'll pick up that tab. 
It's like somebody leans through, forgive me if it's a bit of a, a sort of pub type image, but it's like you're at the bar and you get a line of drinks and this person pushes through and says, I'll pay for that. Jesus pushes through and says, I'm going to take that. So God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not be damned and all these other sort of things that people get hung up but have eternal life. You know, last week and in weeks before, we've been talking about faith activating the blessing. And you can have as much expense and you can pour time, energy and money into these bits of steel and plastic and wood. You can go to a dealer and spend hundreds of thousands of pounds. But if there isn't that kind of spark, it will never come to life. And the spark in this case that I want to just finish by saying is, is our faith. It's when we come and we say, like, I don't understand how this works. But God, I'd love it if you'd fix it for me. God, I'm sorry. Give me the life. Give me the fuel. Give me the whatever I need. But give me that. Give me that life you're offering. And when you do that, something begins to click. It's funny, people get up, all caught up about faith. I wasn't raised as a Christian, and so I don't have a lot of background that people do. But, but I do know that once I became a Christian, I, I didn't have a problem with faith because we live life in a place of faith. I don't pretend to be a, an ace car mechanic. I know a bit. But many of you aren't. In fact, you're not even interested in cars. In fact, when you all saw these cars, you thought, I'll go home. But what you do know is that when you get in your car, you turn the key, and nine times out of ten, maybe better if you're lucky, it fires into life. That's an act of faith. You don't know how it works. You just thank God, if you ever think about it, that it does. And I just want to say to you and commend to you as the worship team come back up and we'll finish there. I want to say to you, God loves you. God made you to have life, not death. Yes, you need all those things that we commonly need, air and food and shelter and clothing and all the rest of it. But on top of all of that, as Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. There's something extra. There's a life spark. And with that, as we, it, as we fire the ignition of our faith, small though it may be, and put our trust in God, so suddenly things roar into life. Let me just pray, and then Darren's going to give us a final song. Father God, uh, it's good to be together as family, as community, people with common interests, and, and just sharing in each other's day. We thank you for that. But Father, it is true that you think of us even when we don't think of you, and your thoughts towards us are ones of kindness and compassion Knowing what we've been through, some of us have had tough old lives. 
and yet you love us and you would call us sons and daughters. And Lord God, for some of us, we've got a lot of faith. Some of us, we don't know where our faith is, if we have any. But such as we have, we give it to you. And we say, Lord, light the fire of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.